0: Hey, Trojan fans, get ready for the Trojan Blast podcast. The Trojan Blast is like our regular Peristyle podcast with a little twist. You can download all of our podcasts 24 hours a day, seven days a week at PeristylePodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Trojan Blast podcast, USCFootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hey Trojan fans, before we start the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast, a little bit of news broke after we taped this show. Ty Isaac, the four-star running back, number two ranked running back in the country, according to Rivals.com out of Joliet, Illinois Catholic Academy, six foot three, two 215 pounds, tweeted out that he is a USC Trojan. So there's been some talk about USC recruiting a couple of running backs, Ty Isaac being one of them. Justin Davis is set to announce on Thursday, uh, May 17th, so USC could pick up two running backs in the same week. But, yes, before uh, right after we taped this podcast, unfortunately, Ty Isaac broke the news, so I wanted to come in here and just put that little blurb in there for you before we start the show. Well, here's everything else with the rest of the show. Enjoy. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to another very exciting edition of the Peristyle Podcast, a special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. It's a Trojan Blast recruiting podcast where we talk with uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst gerard martinez all about the latest and greatest news with usc football recruiting gerard martinez is on the line with us right now what's up gerard how you doing
1: i'm doing well the the word on the street is that this is actually supposed to be a part of the peristyle podcast but evidently we had so many questions that we had to break it up into a trojan blast in and of itself
0: we did you know we did gerard uh Coach Harvey Hyde is on Secret Assignment this week, so we were going to have you come on and, and join the show. But so many questions for Dan Weber. We had to make it at his own show, and then we do have a lot of recruiting questions as well, and a very special one at the end. So we're probably going to keep you, and I know the way you like to talk about USC recruiting, so it might take a little longer than we thought.
1: Well, Harvey Hyde is out hunting the Taliban on Secret Assignment. I'm answering recruiting questions.
0: We'll get we'll get right into it. we got some questions to get to. Uh, Melvin uh, wrote in. I thought this was interesting. You mentioned this last week on the Trojan Blast, Gerard. Uh, you talked about the DeAnthony Thomas rule, and uh, Melvin was very curious. Hey, what is the DeAnthony Thomas rule? And uh, he's curious. Is that why we lost DeAnthony Thomas to Oregon?
1: <laughs> because of a rule? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, the DeAnthony Thomas rule. And that's just kind of a slang that you know we throw around. Is uh, a, kind of an unofficial, unwritten rule. Uh, for USC commits not to take an official visit to another school last week of the process. And uh, they don't want kids taking visits that last uh, weekend of the process because usually right up, after that visit is going to be signing day and you have a dead period right before that. So coaches, you know, they really don't get that opportunity to talk to the kids uh, very much after that visit. And as with the Anthony Thomas, he went to Oregon, I think it was like what three days before signing day. And they really didn't have a chance to kind of get back in with him and try to kind of sway him back over to USC. So uh, the slang unofficial term that we use uh, for that is the, the Anthony Thomas rule.
0: Okay, Melvin. I Melvin's wrote in a few times about uh, why do we lose out on this kid? Why do we lose out on this kid? It's it's a process, Melvin. I mean, Gerard will tell you, verbal commitments are just that. They doesn't mean anything until you sign. And hey, look, T. Shepherd signed with uh, Notre Dame, and he didn't stick around there that long. It's these are young kids; they change their minds. Stuff happens. I mean, it, it's I don't know if you can explain it any better than that, Gerard.
1: No, no. Although T. T. Shepherd and the Andy Greenberry uh, not going to Notre Dame was something you could see a mile away (laughs) (laughs) i think uh, moments after their commitment to notre Notre dame sight unseen uh, never having actually visited south bend to that point uh kind of made you wonder fresno kids committed to notre dame never been to notre dame uh i don't think that's going to work out um and in some cases you know it doesn't work out and you can kind of see it coming um but uh in other cases you know i I think you know pio uh vatuve was a a good, um, example of, of just, you know, a guy that was an SC fan and committed to SC basically on the spot. And you thought, you know, at the end, uh, heart would went out, but, um, he ended up decommitting and going to Washington, you know, last minute. And sometimes those ones, they just, they're just head scratchers, you know, things come up and, um, you got to remember, it's not just USC recruiting his kids, but every other college coach in the nation. And, uh, these guys, when it comes to January and, you know, December, they are professional salesmen. I mean, this is what they do, this is part of their job. They get paid hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars for this, and they're good at their jobs. And so uh, it's um, one of those things where you get a very impressionable young man uh, in the clutches, and uh, it's, it's difficult for them to say no. And so you get uh, all these kind of different drama and these crazy stories and, and subplots uh, at the end of the recruiting process. And um, like you said, sometimes it's just a matter of a, a kid being a kid. In making that
0: kind of decision all right well we mentioned t shepherd so let's uh let's segue into our next question michael in from pine mountain club i'm not sure where that is but hi michael uh, thanks for writing and he said there's talk about t shepherd d Hart, and jeff luke transferring to usc they're all five-star players and ranked in the top three from their positions is this just talk or is there a real possibility they are all positions of need cornerback running back and middle linebacker again. That's Michael Pine Mountain Club.
1: It's a triple threat package deal. Uh, no, it's um, it's you know possible uh, USC is being looked at by all three of those players. Uh, but to this day, we don't know what's going to happen with T. Shepard. You know, we're kind of thinking there's going to be some decision made in um, the near future. There's been some speculation. Uh, on the peristyle as to why maybe USC hasn't made a decision about T. Shepard thus far, um, which uh, is some kind of some, some interesting theories and um, uh, c- kind of, uh, uh, what do you want to call, cons- I guess you conspiracy theories, if you will, as to why they haven't necessarily made a decision on him yet. Um, but with uh, D. Hart, as far as I know, he hasn't been officially let go. By Alabama, um, I've checked in with some people back there, and there's kind of a lot of who knows what's going to go on with him. Sounds like there's been kind of issues behind the scenes with him for a while, and playing time, and you know whether he, he feels like you know they've been recruiting over him the past year. Um, so it's kind of hard to get a vibe for what what's really going to happen with him next. He may end up staying in Alabama. Uh, he may be, in fact, on his way out. Um, he's a smaller guy, though. I mean, this is a smaller running back, more of that five seven five eight range. Pretty explosive player, Uh, but, you know, USC needs running backs, but they really need bigger running backs. So I don't necessarily know if D Hart would be high on the priority list in terms of, you know, need, because while they need running backs, they specifically need power backs. And I don't know that he's actually a power back. And uh, with Jeff Luke, that's something that's come along in the past couple of weeks that, um, you know, he's transferred out of Florida. He's been officially given his release where he goes still remains to be seen. It doesn't sound like USC has been in contact with him yet. Um, it sounds more or less he's put a five, like a top five out of the school that he wants to go and see. And USC was one of those top five schools. Um, he was a five-star guy out of high school but didn't play a whole lot for Florida State the past couple years he actually did have a pretty good spring game so that's something you know that uh, USC may want to look at that kind of just look at what he's done lately uh, for Florida State and they can't actually do that spring game because it was on ESPN which makes that nice Um, (laughs) but Uh, it still remains to be seen if, if USC is actually going to go in and, and start uh, you know, kind of wooing him like they did Max Garcia uh, last month, who was the offensive tackle that was transferring from Maryland. He ended up at Florida obviously being a left tackle and a guy that started two years for Maryland. That was a different scenario. They saw a guy that had some production on the field at a position that they needed. Uh, these guys that um, you know are transferring right now, we're talking about Shepard, you're talking about Hart, and you're talking about Luke. None of them have really had a major impact um, at the college level. And, you know, with Shepard, he's actually not played for a year going on two years now um, because he didn't play his senior year after transferring. So uh, a little more question marks there. There's a little more of a gamble there. USC, uh, you know, they have to try to get under that 75, and uh, they're not there yet. Uh, so it might be dependent on what happens with this incoming class or some potential grade or injury issues that come up, you know, in the offseason before fall camp. All
0: right. Uh, let's go to Terry in Los Angeles. He said, I wanted to touch on – derwin gray offensive tackle with usc looking at offensive tackles how is the recruitment going for this guy i saw his highlights and some of the workouts he's had i really like this kid actually like him better than nico Fala. he's very physical and plays with a nasty streak he's versatile and i can see him as a defensive tackle as well sc should jump on this guy what do you think about derwin gray
1: you know haven't really heard much about usc recruiting derwin gray um he is a good player uh he's uh right tackle maybe left tackle um so he's kind of on that cusp of uh You know, whether he would be a true left tackle or not kind of remains to be seen. I think you'll see that more as some of these national camps come along and and people get a little better view of him against some better top pass rushers. Uh, But, you know, thus far, USC really hasn't been a school that you've heard too much about him with. And they are going around and they are looking for offensive linemen. Uh, There's been a few guys that they've offered lately um, that, you know, obviously are, are guys that they feel pretty good about. But not necessarily left tackles, and I think that's been some of the, the interesting things that uh, you know have created a lot of discussion on the Paris style. you know we had uh, a thread pop up uh, about Brandon uh, Clubano, uh, who's a center from Georgia who's a four star center from Georgia, one of the top centers in the country, but still an interior lineman that we've talked about before. he's really looking for edge players they're looking for left tackles they're looking for guys um, that can really play on the ends of the offensive line and not necessarily interior guys. they have quite a few good interior players at USC um, so you know we're kind of seeing if they continue to go after some of those guys that are left tackles Dorian Johnson's another guy from Pennsylvania who's a big-time offensive tackle that uh, you know has that big frame 6-6 and then about 280 uh, that haven't really heard a lot about with in USC we'll kind of see if that happens you know down the line during May evaluation here and we still got a couple weeks to go with May evaluation process and so some of these kids they do need to get another look at uh, USC's been really spending a lot of time in the southeast you know they've gone through georgia twice uh they've gone into alabama um you know they've already gone through florida they'll probably go through florida again that will be another state that they actually have two rounds in um and obviously locally they've been going and searching for some left tackles uh but it really hasn't necessarily been one of those things where uh you've seen just about every top guy who's listed as an offensive tackle getting an offer they have been a little more stingy than i actually thought they would be kind of going in to the may evaluation period You know, they have not given out a ton of offers yet. It may be one of those things, though, that once they get back – and convene in the office after the main evaluation period or, or towards the end and, and they're able to meet as a staff, go over some of this film, then they start to make a lot more of those offers. I think, you know, when they had, the, I think, about seven offers go out uh, last week, it was one of those things where, um, you know, they had that pause where everybody kind of came back to the office and the coaches were able to kind of regroup and look at what they saw. They came out, some some offers came from that. Now they're back on the road. They'll probably have another meeting of sorts towards the end of the main evaluation period and then they're able to look at some of these guys, a guy like maybe, you know, Dorian Gray, maybe a Dorian Johnson or some of these other offensive tackles uh, that are out there that, um, you know, they're, they're going to go after just because they're good players. The thing about Dorian Gray, being from Maryland, you know, there's going to be quite a few schools from back east they are going to be after him and comparing him to Fala, it's just different because Nikofala is a local player and a guy that you're going to have a legitimate shot at just because of location. Their main battle with Fala is going to be UCLA. UCLA just hired uh, Courtney Morgan, um, who had been training Nikofala, uh for quite a while. Now Courtney Morgan is going to be, I believe, a grad assistant or some type of administrative assistant at UCLA uh, working under Adrian Clem. And so that is going to be an in for UCLA with Fala. And um, so, you know, we'll see how that develops right now follows kind of uh, the guy it looks like uh, at offensive tackle um in california um but there's some other players that could pop up and again you know may evaluation period we're still kind of in the middle of it so there's no uh there's no finality yet to okay these are the guys usc's gonna offer
0: all right let's go to philip do you think uh usc's fantasy five defensive backs would be sual cravens max redfield priest willis Tahan goodman and chris hawkins
1: he sounds pretty good to me, um you know I think <laughs> uh, they they would uh definitely like those five players. I think that's five players that they have a good shot at. Um, you know we talked a little bit in depth about uh, Tahon Goodman's recruitment in the war room this past week um and i I think overall that would be probably a good group to go after. I think you know they are trying to go a little national with the corner position they're going to bring in. Mackenzie um, Alexander, uh, the uh, 5'11", 175-pound cornerback from Amokley, uh, Florida, who's a, a, just a fantastic player. Um, they're going to try to get him in on an unofficial visit and actually have him camp during the summer. So we'll see if that goes anywhere. Uh, my vibe is that he's probably going to stay in Florida. Um, and then they have uh, Vernon Hargraves, who's the cornerback from Tampa Bay, and uh, or I should say Tampa. Tampa Bay is actually, you know, the bay. Actually, you, you really don't say Tampa Bay and Florida. You say Tampa, Tampa. Bay Bay Buccaneers is uh, the only time you say Tampa Bay. Um, Just for our Floridians out there that would want to correct me on that. Um, (laughs) So Tampa uh, has, you know, the five-star, big-time Army All-American, you know, just, you know, he's got all the accolades. A lot of people rank him as one of the top players in the state. Um, and, And like we discussed, I think, last week about Hargraves, you know, dad's a coach been in the coaching business a long time. They're really looking at the opportunity of a school, you know, beyond just football. They're going to do their research. They're going to be out here um, unofficially and, from what I understand, talking to his mother, they've already pretty much penciled in an official visit to USC. So they're going to have a shot at Hargraves. You know, Hargraves is going to come down, though. Is probably Florida, USC? Maybe like another school in like Alabama, that will pop in, you know, and when it gets in late in the process, you know, sometimes there's other schools that uh, become players for him. But um, they are looking and keeping a wandering eye a little bit uh, for some of the national corners and not necessarily shutting things down with those five. But, you know, right now, I, I think those five are, are doable. And um, and it's and it's a really good top five in terms of talent.
0: I agree with you. Well, uh, see the, we get questions about the five defensive backs I think every week on the podcast, so let's change it up a little bit. But I thought that was a neat one, uh, fantasy five DBs. But Philip also wanted to know: Do you think USC can do what Oregon did to, with the Anthony Thomas and flip uh, running back commit for Oregon, Thomas Tyner?
1: Wow, that's a good question. Uh, it's a it's a unique situation with tyner mainly because i think you know we have to see what happens with chip kelly you know and i don't want to speculate on chip kelly and try to put it out there that, that he's going anywhere but obviously with how things went down and bringing us back to tampa bay see it all, you know it's circular it all comes back together eventually um <laughs> what happened with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year and chip kelly being a guy that almost had that job and kind of seemed at least publicly he pulled away from that at the last minute uh, he's maybe got his eye on the NFL, and the NFL might have their eye on him. And with him maybe going and and, and leaving uh, the situation there in Oregon, it definitely would open things up. And, and you know, USC has been recruiting Tyner. They have not backed off. They haven't put up the white flag and said, okay, he's from Beaverton. You know, he's going to go to Oregon and, and loves Oregon and has been an Oregon fan all his life. Um, no matter what happens. They are recruiting him. They recruited Isaac Swamalo last year, who, you know, his dad coached for uh, o- Oregon State. And so, I mean, you would think, okay, well, his dad's coaching for Oregon State. He's from Oregon, probably going to end up at Oregon State. Well, that didn't stop them from recruiting him hard. They liked him as a player. They wanted him as a player. And they were going to recruit him hard regardless. And, um, you know, some People would be critical of that and feel like, you know, well, USC spinning their wheels. They don't look. They need to look at guys that they have a shot at, uh, but USC is going to do that. They're going to go after guys that they really like, and if they feel like Tyner's a guy that they really like, they're going to continue to recruit him. and you never know what happens. I and mean, that's the thing is that at this point in time, it looks like a long shot, but – weird things happen, you know, these coaches leave and, and there's scandals that happen and all these things. And all of a sudden, you know, a, a, an opportunity opens up. And if you've been there and you're waiting outside that door and it just opens up, you're going to be the one that, that really rakes the benefits of that. And so, you know, a lot of teams end up having a scramble. All of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, Jim Trussell, he, uh, Jim Trussell's done at Ohio State we'll scramble and let's try to see if we can recruit Ohio State's guys well if you were that school that recruited everybody you liked regardless of where they were committed and where they were from and whatever their background was you would be right there ready to take advantage of that situation and that's pretty much how USC does it and so you know with Thomas Tyner they're going to continue to recruit him. They've been there to see him, um, you know, uh, this spring, and it's on an installment person, and they're not traveling up there uh, to go see him uh, if they don't have real interest in continuing to recruit him and, and try to make him a priority. Granted, there's going to be some things that happen over the next couple months with commitments at the running back position that may affect that somewhat. USC can only take so many guys. Uh, but I think is a guy that just seems so intriguing to Lane Kiffin because of his speed. He's six foot, 200 pounds and he's a legitimate ten four, ten three guy. And that's really hard to find. Granted, you kind of question it when you look on the film and say, okay, where is that 10-3? You don't see it, you know, right off the bat. Um and that's kind of been a little bit of the criticism of Tyner. You know, his speed on the track, does it translate well to the football? Uh, but again, it's still ten three speed. You still kinda it, it's hard not to be intrigued by that. You know, like maybe it's a little bit of that uh that, that uh that Raider, um, you know, kinda Al Davis <laughs> Influence on Lane Kiffin for whatever eight months he was there, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you know the Raiders, man, they're always they're always uh, trying to get up in the draft so they can select somebody who's really fast, and it hasn't necessarily worked out for them, but doesn't mean that. Uh, you know, there's not other 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 coaches and other people out there that kinda of have that same thinking of, hey, you know, this guy's we know he's that fast because he's on a clock. And it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, he's gonna be productive on the football field, but still those are facts. You know, you clock the guy, he runs ten three, it's hard to get past that.
0: True. All right, well Philip, thanks for those. Uh we got a couple more from David. Uh first one I like is Ellis Mc. he says, If Ellis McCarthy were in this year's class, would you GM Prefer him or Kenny Bigelow?
1: Wow, um, that's a tough one. You know, uh, no, I would not. Mainly because Kenny Bigelow is committed already, and the burden hand <laughs> is worth two in the bush. I've said that before, but it's true. Uh, Kenny Bigelow is committed, and you like that. You know, he wants to be a Trojan. And with Ellis McCarthy, it was that constant trying to get him down unofficially to practice, trying to convince you know, his brother or his uncle or whoever it was that was giving him a ride to come down uh, to the stadium uh, for an unofficial visit, uh, either during the season or during spring. It was constantly, it seemed like, a little bit of a fight to get him around UFC. And that always kind of left you going, ah, you know, this is one of those things that it's not going to be a done deal. It's not going to be real easy just because he's a Southern California kid. Now, if we take off the the table you know, Ken and Bigelow being committed and we're just looking at these guys just flat-out talent for talent. Man, you know, I, I tend to go with the local guy mainly because I I'd like to go after the local players because I think, A, it's easier to recruit them. You know, you don't, you're not having to worry about distance being a factor. You're always going to be able to be in contact with them much easier than you are someone who's across the country. Um, you know just those those things that you know local players they tend to play hard for their families and for their people that are around them um, you know they can be a little more focused maybe they're, they're not thinking about what's going back home they don't have to worry about being homesick um, but man talent for talent you know I don't know man Kenny Bigelow is really, really good. Um, Ellis McCarthy is really, really good. Uh, I would say Bigelow is probably the more competitive of the two. He seems to be a little more mature and physically ready to contribute right away. Uh, I think McCarthy could, is definitely going to play at UCLA right away. Um, but I think he's still young. Um, it, more mentality-wise, I think he's young, and he's going to just kind of have to adapt to college and, and kind of get used to um, just the, the rigors of playing college football, um, and I think Bigelow is just ready for it. You know, I think he's coming in, he's hitting the ground running, and he's guy going to play and be ready to play both mentally and physically. So it's a, it's a tough thing. It's, it's recruiting-wise, I have to be honest. I'd probably lean towards, hey, we've got to make Ellis McCarthy our number one guy. He's the local guy. We've got to take care of the local uh, you know, recruits, that our local recruiting pool. We've got to put that fence up, make sure he stays home. Well, he did stay home He went to UCLA, but you know, as he fans will say, that's not really home. Um, so <laughs> you want to keep him home uh, and, and from that standpoint. But then from a straight talent, talent standpoint, if they were both living in Pasadena, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. That's tough. That's a tough question. No, that's, a,
0: that's a good answer right there. I mean, it, it's that close. So, uh, it is
1: that. Oh, it is that close. It's that close. I mean, uh, you know what? We'll know more when I get to see Kenny Bigelow in person. Because you know, I saw Michaelis McCarthy a lot in person and he was really good at every, you know, whether it was Army and the Combines, the camps, just watching him in games. I saw probably three or four games of him Um, in person. You know, he's really good. Wasn't playing against great competition. Um, And the same thing with Bigelow. You know, he's not playing against greatest competition, but I have yet to really see him in person and get a feel for him, you know, just as a player, see him around his teammates see him around other players and just kind of get a vibe for him as a person because a lot of that stuff matters, man. I mean, I, I don't know about the recruiting experts and the guys who are involved in the rankings. I don't know what they look at. but I know for me, when I make an opinion on a guy, it's, it's as much, you know, seeing him make a big play – it's much about him making that play, and then seeing what he does after he makes that play, and, that, and what he does uh, during the the plays where the ball's not going towards him, and those kind of nuances of the game, because I think they're very important um, to production in general as a, as a as a football player on a team, because it is a team sport. Um, so you know, I but yeah, it definitely is that close in terms of just talent for talent. Pigolo is a is, is a is a freak. He's a meeste, as we say on the peristyle. Um, but, you know, just because Ellis McCarthy's going to UCLA now, can't just pretend like he, he's not, too, because he, he's a really good player. <laughs> he's going to be a guy that USC has to uh, scheme around the next few years.
0: We put some video up of uh, Kenny Bigelow on the front page of uscfootball.com, so you can certainly check that out. Uh, he was at the uh, Baltimore Nike camp. So check that out. David had one more question, Gerard. He said, it seems that you, Gerard, want a pure speed back to pair with the anticipated commitment of justin davis uh is ty isaac that guy he put in parentheses doesn't seem like it and if not why are the coaches pushing so hard for his commitment which presumably would preclude the speed back that gm has talked about
1: well gm is not lane kiffin so lane kiffin's going to do what lane kiffin's going to do those coaches make their own decisions and you know uh, are the experts they are true experts you know they know what they need and what they want uh even more than i do I like the definitive back roles. I think you want a guy that's your speed guy or you want your guy that's your power guy. USC for too many years have gotten some combo backs that have neither been really fast nor really big. And you kind of get stuck in that no man's land and you're kind of going, okay, you've got three guys here. C.J. Gable, Stephon Johnson, and I don't know, Emmanuel Moody. It's like who, who has which role? you got all these guys you're trying to get them carries and stuff it's easier to keep guys happy and to do and and, and be productive when you can say okay down a distance or whatever we okay we have a guy here that's going to do this for us or we have a guy that's going to do that for us last year USC did a good job of kind of making something out of nothing by having a decent 2 back role with Mark Tyler and Curtis McNeil Curtis McNeil became the de facto speed back while still being you know, physical and, and running hard, while Mike Tyler was kind of the guy that would lean on the defense you know, towards the end of the game. They don't have that. So what USC, I think, really doing in terms of need, they're going after the power back because they don't have that at all. Speedback-wise, on the roster now, you still have some guys that are quick. You have Curtis McNeil. He's going to graduate after this year, but you still have him now. You have uh, you know, D.J. Morgan, who is a guy that – you know, D.J. Morgan works really hard. I, one thing I can say about DJ Morgan, while he's been injured and he had some fumbling issues, this is a kid that's going to be a part of the program and will never be a guy that that you're going to look at, uh, you know, negatively for trying. He's always going to give you a lot of effort. We've seen him, you know, working after practice and doing a lot of little things away from the team by himself just to try to get back to that point where he was in high school before he got injured. So he's a guy that you don't want to bury and say, okay, you know, he's not going to be the guy. You know, you've got to remember, man, he's a freshman last year. You've got to give him some time to develop and really mentally process the playbook and not you know everybody wants this guy to come in and be the next Marquise Lee who's gonna contribute right away and be a superstar. But some of these kids just need a little more time to process the playbook. Um, but but USC's got some speed, they've got some smaller guys. I think really what they they fear is being in those third and two, third and three situations and just not having a guy that can move the pile. Not having a guy that can just break that extra tackle and get forward to get that first down. So they're going out and they're trying to find power backs and the two top guys um, at, at the top of the list I think nationally would be Justin Davis and Ty Isaac now granted I feel like Ty Isaac is not really a true power back He's got the size. You talk about a legitimate 6'3", 220 pounds. So he, he has the size naturally to be able to break a tackle and to get lean forward and to move a pile a little bit just because of his natural size. But in terms of style, he definitely is a little more of a finesse back. He's a little more of a slasher. And so I think you know that's why we categorize him on the target list as a combo back. But he kind of brings together both things. But I think he's pretty fast. You know He's got good stride. It's kind of hard to to gauge, you know, he's playing at Juliet Catholic, which is, you know, certainly not, you know, playing in, in Dade or playing in the city section of L.A., um, but he seems to be kind of deceivingly fast because of how tall he is. And is a guy that nobody really seems to catch or have an angle on when he gets in the, uh, in, the in the opposite backfield. And he really, I mean, he was really getting a lot of yards with very minimal carries, which is nice. You like to see a guy who really takes advantage of his carries because when you're at uh, USC or you're, you're really inside a pro-style offense nine times out of the ten. You know, and even now, I think just in football in general nowadays, you're not going to see a lot of single back offenses where you're giving a guy a ball, you know, 30 times a game. You know, it may happen now and again, but it, you really don't want to wear guys out that much. And I think even on the other side of the fence for the running backs themselves being recruited. Being a part of an offense where you have someone else there that can kind of give you a little bit of breaks and and you're not wearing yourself down, these kids all want to get to the next level. The next level for them means NFL. Even though they're in high school now and they say the next level, you think, well, that means college. No, they're talking about the NFL. And so you want to save your legs for the NFL. So being a part of a two-back system is not a bad thing. And Ty Isaac is a guy that, like I said, sharing carriers or what have you, last year he i mean compared to like Justin Davis I think he had 275 carries <laughs> last year i mean he was he was a workhorse he was a guy that they were riding Every freaking down. Every time they needed yards, give it to Justin. With Ty Isaac, he was more of a kind of an explosive game-breaker type guy. They give him the ball, bam, he gets a the touchdown. They just need to get the ball three more times a game. He's blowing people out. So um, it, it is definitely one of those things where USC is getting a guy that, you know, Ty Isaac, not the pure speed back, but definitely style-wise is going to be more of the finesse back between the two.
0: All right, and then we got one more question, Gerard, but it's a doozy. I want you to get your notepad out. Uh, this I is do- from a voicemail. Yeah, voicemail question, so. Definitely check this out. Uh, get ready to uh, write down some names. It's going to be Fast and Furious. Uh, here you go.
2: Hi, Ryan and Gerard. Um, love your show. Been a Trojan fan since Rodney P. And I have a ton of recruiting things I want to talk about because I've been following this recruiting thing and I have a lot of knowledge. First, I want to ask you about three players um, from actually the Midwest. Um, one is, I think it's Jadon Smith. Another is Chance Cox, and I think the other one is Mike Malone out of Texas. Then I want to ask you about some of the Georgia kids. I think one's name is Shamar Divine. I know we gave him a scholarship. Uh, another is Montavius I think it's Montavius Adams, and the other is Jay Thomas. All right. Then I want to ask you about the two Memphis kids that we just recently gave scholarship offers to. Uh, One is a tackle. I think his last name is Martin. And the other was a linebacker. I think they go to the same school. So I wanted to ask you about that. This is Dushan from Georgia. Thank you.
1: Wow. Um, (laughs) Big one. Okay. Um, That's pretty, okay, he has a lot of recruiting questions. I don't know about a lot of recruiting knowledge, but I'm going to try to give him some knowledge here. Um, that yeah. was, okay, so in the Midwest, <laughs> we have Jalen Smith, who's a uh, 6'3", 200-pound uh, linebacker from Indiana, um, and, and a guy that's talked about unofficially visiting USC during the summer. Kind of, a, it seems like it would be a Notre Dame lean, uh, you know, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, everybody's on him, uh, but he you know popped up to a passing league tournament a couple uh weeks ago and, and had a Notre Dame hat on so everybody kind of looks at him being kind of a Notre Dame lean right now outside linebacker um you know not not necessarily probably the highest Priority position for USC right now, but he is definitely a top player, a guy that could end up being a five star guy at the end of the day when the rankings you know, end up filling out to being about 25, 30 players. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens from his unofficial visit this summer. Kind of everything takes point from there, you know, if he's able to come back for an official visit during the year. Chance Cox is uh, actually a four star linebacker in the Rivals 100 from uh, Arizona, Brophy Pep, and with Chance Cox, he's four-star linebacker, but being recruited by USC as a fullback H H-back, which is unique. I get the feeling that he really wants to be recruited as a linebacker. I think he wants to play linebacker in college, and so that's going to be the biggest issue for USC. Um, so we'll kind of see how they're able to recruit him and, and maybe try to persuade him to playing offense. He's about 6'3", 220, 225. Um, not going to see him very much during the camp circuit uh, because he's uh, got an injured shoulder so it's going to be tough we kind of have to see what happens with him and and I really wanted to see him at some camps just to see if he could really play offense I mean he looks like he can play offense on film but I definitely wanted to see his hands and just kind of see how he would play against top competition during the summer in the camp circuit Um, I don't really know who Mike Malone I think he said from Texas is Uh, maybe maybe he's gone something I don't know but uh, I'm not sure about Mike Malone then, well, we were in Georgia now. Shamir Divine, offensive tackle, six six, about three sixty, huge human being, um, a player from Georgia, offensive tackle, maybe an offensive guard. That that's one of those things that I think we have to see kind of later with the camps and and some things. You know, we went to VTO and was very impressive. Uh, I some top players in Georgia, um, a guy that really not a big football fan Um, from what I understand. He's kind of uh, just learning about football and and more interested in the education and and some of the things that football can do for him um, later on in life. So it'll be interesting to see if UFC is able to go in there and have a legitimate shot at him, but he's a behemoth. I mean, he's a guy that you would definitely compare just size-wise with Andre Walker, one of those just massive human beings who, uh, you know, I mean, for him, it's just really scratching the surface as far as potential goes. So uh, we'll see. It's probably going to have to be an official visit if USC is able to convince him to leave the state. Um, Martavius Adams, another guy who, you know, big-time defensive tackle, four-star, um, you know, he's on everybody's radar had Clemson as his leader, USC offered him, he started to kind of come around to USC, now Alabama's in after him, Georgia's after him, it's going to be probably difficult. Um, you know, it, it really want to get him on an unofficial visit. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen right now. Sounds like if he comes to USC, it's going to be officially. Um, so we're probably going to have to wait until after that visit to see what type of impact, you know, the travel has on him. Uh, but I get the sense he's an SEC kid and really defensive tackles. While you know USC recruits them pretty hard in the SEC, the ratio there is, is not very, uh, not very positive, and <laughs> you're not getting a lot of defensive tackles from the SEC for the amount of offers that USC has given out over the past few years. Um, in Memphis, uh, the truth of the matter is with the Memphis kids. Uh, they really most of the guys that were claiming offers did not have scholarship offers. Um, uh, he's Martin. I think you mean is uh, Christian Morris, the offensive tackle from Memphis, does not have a scholarship offer from USC. Neither does Marcus Robinson, his teammate, the linebacker. Uh, Frank Huron is actually a player, a defensive end uh, from Tennessee that does have a scholarship offer from USC. He's about six five, two forty five, one of the top players in the state, defensive end. So obviously USC looking for some pass rushers in this class. They want some defensive ends. Uh, that's another position. You know, on top of defensive tackle, they really need defensive linemen in general. Um, so, you know, that offer is pretty understandable. Uh, so, you know, they went through Tennessee actually about two weeks ago. Um, saw Jalen um, Ramsey, who's a six foot, 180 180-pound corner, who's very impressive player. Uh, I've seen him at some things, some VTO clips. And uh, from what I understand just in person, he was pretty impressive and um, is going to be a guy that you'll see you recruit him hard, but another SEC kid that, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. You don't want to put too much stock and too many eggs in those baskets of those SEC kids. You're trying to steal maybe one or two of those kids out of that region. And um, of the list of guys I've talked about, I don't know if any of those guys are really ripe to be the guy that, you know, you know, USC is able to steal uh, from the SEC region. Granted, they're kind of redundant now recruiting, which is going to be a good thing. They have Ed Erdron who's been a fantastic recruiter, uh, just you know forever. I mean, he's one of the best in the business doing this. Um, he's been in, uh, a guy that's been working the South for USC for a long time uh, as well. When he was in Ole Miss and when he was at Tennessee. Now you have T. Martin, who again kind of provides some redundancy in recruiting the SEC region, and he's got some good ties in Georgia and Alabama and some of other places so we'll see maybe maybe they're able to double it up with uh, two coaches recruiting that region um, maybe they're just able to be a little more solid in uh, who they want to get and who they could target early and feel like to have a good shot at because that's just as important too. make sure that you're not spinning your wheels too much down there with kids that really have no intention coming west
0: hey Gerard nice job on that question there was a lot of names thrown at you not no questions in there just mentioning of names by the way
1: yeah, that was the thing. It was I, I kind of started thinking about that midway through. I said, you know, there's a lot of names here, but I'm not sure what you, what question do you want to <laughs> ask specifically about each player.
0: Well, we'd love to see Trojan fans down in Georgia interested in recruiting, talking about recruiting, so thanks for sending that question in. It's a and, big uh, year
1: in Georgia, so it's definitely uh, – there's a lot of guys to ask questions about, you know, Alvin Kamara and um, Deshaun Dye. There's just been a lot of guys that they've offered and, and been looking at um, the May evaluation period – is definitely one of those times where the coaches are able to get down on the ground, get around the the high school coaches and the people that you know are close to these kids, and that's when you really get the vibe as to you know, this kid really got the mentality, the disposition to be a USC recruit later down the line. Um, I know there's a couple guys that are standing out in my mind that have that ability, uh, but you know you're really searching through a bunch of different guys, and he'd love to recruit a lot of players down there because there's a lot of talent down there, but. You have to be very measured in, in how you do it, or you can waste your time.
0: All right. Well, Gerard, thanks again for uh, joining us on the show, and I wanted to uh, let people know uh, we wanted to have you fill out a little questionnaire about the podcast. If you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, we'll pick five of you uh, at random that fill out the questionnaire to give, send you a free T-shirt. So we'll love to do that. Um, four things. We want you to, to, to be eligible. We want to hear four different things. number 1234 one, two, three, four. One- what do you think about the length of the podcast? Do you like the normal ones about an hour and then the Trojan Blast pretty much as long as Gerard wants to talk, 40 minutes or so. Uh,
1: number <laughs> depends two, depends on how many questions I get, like the last one.
0: Exactly. Number two, what's your favorite part of the podcast? Number three, what's your Gerard. least favorite part of the podcast? And number Gerard. four, what'd you say? <laughs>
1: the most favorite part of the podcast, Gerard. The least favorite part of the podcast, Gerard. Gerard, yeah.
0: And number four, any questions or comments. So n- label those one, two, three, four, answer those four specific things. Length of podcast, favorite part, least favorite part, questions, comments, and please send them to us at podcast at and we'll select five of them, and send you a free R seventy five are better than your eighty five T shirts, and we got some uh, we got some news with that. We I think we got some hats coming as well, so check that out. R seventy five are greater than or better, sorry, than your eighty five com. I don't want to screw up the, the website there. It's a long kind of URL. Uh, Gerard, you are not eligible, so do not send in a questionnaire and tell me how you're the favorite part. Um, I'll send you a shirt anyway, though. How's that?
1: I'm going to ask you – I'm going to give you five things that I want to talk about but not really ask a question about any of them. How about that?
0: (laughs) Awesome. All right, well, thanks again, Gerard, and everyone else. Thank you very much for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. We'll be back, back next week talking more about USC football and USC football recruiting.